0: Anybody see recently that the Mega Millions Lottery payout was over a billion dollars, billion with a B? That's a lot of money. What do you think that is after taxes, like a buck fifty, something like that? But think about it. What would you do with that much money? What would you do with like ten million dollars? Did you ever play that game growing up? You know, kind of the game, you're on the bus, like going to junior high or something like that, and you're like, hey, this is, this is what I'd do. I'd, I'm sure all of us would be super responsible and we'd pay off our debt, we'd pay off the mortgage, we'd do all that, right? None of us would like throw a party right away or like buy a car or take a trip or whatever. Now, I wanna play a slightly different version of that game. That's what would you do with like $10 million, but what would you do for $10 million? Or just think about it. What would you do for $10 million? Would you eat the same food for a year? But I get to choose what food it is snails I don't know that's cargo it's actually pretty good if you've ever had it like boiled potatoes no salt no butter like still you're like for 10 million dollars for one year absolutely what about you wear the same clothes for a year but you don't get to wash them and some of you are like uh, I do that now like we're good no problem like all, all good all right, let's up the ante. What's well, something that you would like? You just draw the line in the sand. You'd be like, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it. Like, would you start rooting for Tom Brady for a year? <laughs> I wouldn't. No way. You're billion dollars. Ain't no way. I'm not doing it. Actually, I probably would for like 50 bucks. but. <laughs> now, this was an actual question asked in a research book about 20 years ago. The book was called the day America told the truth. And this was the question, what would you do for a million dollars? And people answered it and all sorts of people answered different things. 25%, one in four said that they would abandon their families for a million dollars. Some of you are like, that's way low. Some of you are like, that's way high. I don't know. 23% say that they would be a prostitute for a week. Nope. 7%. Here's the one that really got me. 7% Seven percent said that they would kill a stranger. Now think about that. Look around you. If you're here in person, count out a hundred people, seven out of a hundred would take you out. No questions asked. If you're online, next time you're at the grocery store, just be like one, two, you. You're the one. I see it in your eyes. I don't know. Rooting for Tom Brady seems a little bit better, actually, right now, if you think about it. Now we're in the series that we're calling Heartbreakers. And we've talked about these emotions in our life that break our hearts. We've been talking about guilt and how God uses confession to kind of get us back on track or we've been talking about anger and how big of a deal anger is in our life and how forgiveness can kind of get us back on track. But there are all sorts of these things in our life that really hurt us, that break our hearts, that kind of impact our relationships, that impact our relationship with God or each other or ourselves. Now today we're talking about greed. This is kind of how we would describe greed. Greed is thinking that we owe ourselves. So all the things we're talking about, kind of there's a debt to be paid. And we believe that we owe ourselves that debt, that we think that we have earned something or that we deserve something or that we need something. Now, how would you describe greed? Maybe it's like we've already been talking about, right? Greed is when you'd be willing to do something absolutely terrible for a whole lot of money and we think of billionaires, and we think of business moguls, and we think of Ponzi schemes. And those are all, I guess, versions of greed. But I think that greed is a little sneakier. Greed is actually adjacent to virtuous things, like good things. Greed can be found in people who are savers, as an example, because saving is a really smart thing to do. Or greed can be found in people who really want to give this financial foundation for their kids. So they scrape and they earn and they save and they do all of these, these things. And that's a wonderful goal to have. See, greed is sneaky. It camouflages itself in the good or in the healthy, or in the great decisions, or things that we honor, or things that we celebrate. But greed is not the I'm gonna kill you for money type of thing that we act like it is. It's this thing that puts ourselves kinda in place of God, and it impacts our hearts, and it impacts our relationships. So where does greed come from? It's this concept of thinking that we have earned, we are owed something. Why, why is it important? Who who cares? Like you do you, boo. Well, we've talked about a couple of reasons why greed is a big deal. Here's one. Greed can look good. It's sneaky. It can look like something we should celebrate or applaud or study. We want more of it. What else about greed? Well, greed is also rooted in fear. Here's what I mean. It's this fear that we believe that God won't provide for us in the way that we hope that he would. Greed comes from thinking that, okay, if God's not gonna give us what I think I want, what I think I'm owed, what I think I deserve, then I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna provide. I'm gonna seek after these appetites in our lives. And I don't mean food appetites. I mean all sorts of different things. The appetite for safety or the appetite for comfort. That's a big one. The appetite for security, the appetite for easy. And we pursue that. We say, okay, I'm going to do what I need to do because I think I deserve a comfortable life or a secure life. I think I deserve something because I've worked hard and it's okay. But here's the thing, that appetite will never be satisfied. That's why greed is such a big deal. That's why it's so sneaky, because there are good things that we kind of pursue, but we get so focused on ourselves and owing ourselves and putting ourselves in the place that we want to be. It is all about us and all about us, and it's really based on the fact that we don't believe that God will provide, or we don't think when he does provide, it's in the way that we want. But here's really why we're talking about it today. Those are big deal things, but here's the third one. See, greed is actually a spiritual obstacle. Gonna be honest with you? Man, I said it again. I said that last service, like I'm not honest with you all the time. It's a weird thing to say. My apologies. I want to tell you something. I woke up this morning, and this is the last thing that I wanted to talk about. Like, I prayed, like, God, please, I don't want to talk about it today. I don't know what I was going to talk about. Love, hope, joy, I don't know. But here's why. Because this is a huge deal in my life. Maybe it is for you. It's sneaky. It might not look like it. It might not sound like it. But I know deep in my heart, I kind of think that I'm owed some things. Like life or like provision or like happiness and these things are deeply rooted in me. And I got up and I'm like, hey, as I've even been preparing this, I'm like, I don't really want to really talk about this. Because at the end of the day, this impacts the way that we view God. This impacts the way that we view other people. This impacts the way that we view ourselves. And I think one of the reasons that I didn't want to talk about it today is because I struggle with thinking that I am owed. And maybe you do too. You, you know how it is though. You've had a long day and you're like, I'm going to have a treat yourself day. Like I'm going to go and I don't know, I'm going to, I'm going to have that meal. And I'm just looking forward to, it. I've been looking forward to it all, all week. Or man, I'm going to plan that vacation. I'm going to pamper myself, whatever it is. And on the way, Maybe you're like me, and you think, I've earned this. I've worked hard for this. I deserve this. But what happens? You eat the meal, and then a couple of hours later, you're hungry again. Or you go on the vacation, and you come back, and you start planning the next vacation because it doesn't satisfy the appetite. And instead of gratitude for the opportunity, you get back, and you feel the same way that you did before, and you feel the same day the next day, and the same way the next day because we get so consumed with ourselves but greed is a spiritual thing. And when push comes to shove, I think this pursuit of more, the pursuit of fulfilling our own appetites, isn't what we make it out to be because seeking more ends up with an empty soul and empty wallets. Or in the words of the great philosopher, the notorious B.I.G., mo' money, mo' problems. <laughs> now I wanna be clear, Having money isn't a bad thing at all. Not knowing why we have money is a huge deal. Money's amoral. It's not right. It's not wrong. But having ourselves as the primary focus, as thinking ourselves as important as God, as thinking we owe ourselves over and over and over again in this cycle is a big deal. And we find ourselves saying, God, why haven't you provided in the way that I want? Or why haven't you provided in the way that I need? That's a natural question. Have you asked that question before? I have. But today we're gonna ask a slightly different question that might get into kind of this greed heart thing that we're talking about. Are you greedy? Am I greedy? Let's find out. Answer this question, why do I have what God has entrusted me? Have you ever asked a question like that? Why do I have what God has given me in this life? Because our answer to this question determines a lot. Now, we're okay with asking the question, God, why aren't you providing for me when he doesn't seem to be providing for us in the way that we want? But when we're getting a lot of what we need and what we want, which as a, as a, Matter of principle, we are given a lot in our lives. We're pretty well-to-do if we compare ourselves to the entire world. We have a lot that has been entrusted to us. So ask the same question, why? Why has God entrusted to you what he's entrusted to you? Now, I've kind of been working on this answer that's been leading up to this message, and I know that's a surprise because it sounds like that I work more than one day a week, because I do, I know. But I've been thinking about it. What's my answer to this question? What, why? Well, here's one. Maybe this is yours. I work hard. More than one day a week, I'm even saying. I work hard. Maybe you do too. You put in the time. You put in the effort. And you think, okay, you know what? I earn a little bit back, right? I've gotten the education or I've put in the time or I've gotten the promotion or I have the responsibility. Like, would you show up to your job if you didn't get paid for it? Not very many of us would. Maybe that's your answer. Like, why has he, he entrusted this to me? Well, I earned it. What else? What other reasons could God have entrusted what you have to you? Maybe to provide for your family. That's a natural one. That's maybe one that we talk about. To keep worry at bay. Like we have all these things, we have all these bills and we think, okay, God provides so that we don't have to worry about it so that things can get paid. Or maybe he provides for us to raise our standard of living. There's another word for that. We say God blesses us. Now I think that blessing actually means something slightly different than that. It's not always in this financial money way that we talk about it. Maybe he's entrusted something to us so that we can get to where we want. Maybe we can have early retirement or get the house or get the boat or whatever. But is what God has given us primarily for us? And these are the things that I kind of struggle with that I need to navigate, that I need to figure out. It happens all the time, actually, that we have these conversations or we have these struggles or we have these these thoughts about debt and worry and what we feel like we are owed and how to live this out in our life. This has actually been a conversation that's been going on forever, for a really, really long time. It's a conversation that happened in the Bible. Actually in Luke 12, which is in the second half of the Bible, it's a story about Jesus and Jesus talking to some people. He was out ministering, he was out speaking, he was doing his his Jesus thing. And he just happened to have just talked about hypocrisy. Now hypocrisy is kind of when the inside doesn't match up with the outside. And I think greed is actually pretty similar. So he's just got done teaching about this. And then somebody yells at him. And I love this. This is Luke 12, starting in verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, yo, Jesus, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. I can just imagine this person's kind of tracking with him. He wants to get his question in. Maybe there's like a half pause in Jesus. And then he's like, hey, Jesus. and he brings up this concept of inheritance, now, I don't know if you've ever been a part of splitting up somebody's inheritance or if you've ever seen that happen. It can get a little dicey. It can get a little tense, even with wills and trusts and all sorts of different things. It was no different then. So the person asking doesn't seem that interested if you look at it in what's right or what's wrong. He doesn't say, and here's the entire situation, Jesus. He just says, yo, Jesus, tell my brother to show me the money. Like it's all Jerry Maguire for this guy. And it's common actually for rabbis, for religious teachers, to be a part of those kind of conversations. Hey, we have a disagreement. Hey, teacher, tell me what's right, tell him he's wrong, you know, whatever. And they kind of present the case, and then the teacher would say, Okay, you're right, you're wrong, and then they would kind of go by that as law. But Jesus wants to know part of it. Check this out. This is verse 14. Jesus replied, friend. Who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Hey, keep in mind, it's Jesus. He can judge whatever he wants. But he's like, I don't want to do that. And then he said, and this is why I think he said that, beware, guard against every kind of greed. He knows what's going on in the guy's heart. Life is not measured by how much you own. You have to stop there. I have to stop there. Because I have to admit to you, I don't live like that's true. You're late. We don't believe this, do we? I don't think we live life in a way that we believe that life isn't measured by what we own. We definitely think that life is measured by what we own. What you have, what you want, where you're going, how you feel. We think it's measured by what we own. I looked it up. An average American spends around $18,000 a year on non-essential costs. So after inflation, what's that? Like $1.8 million or something a year? $18,000 a year on non-essential costs. What's non-essential costs? So that's stuff like eating out, paying for Netflix. I know some of you will definitely disagree with me about that being non-essential. But really anything outside of like paying for your house, paying for your bills, it ends up being around $1,500 a month. Or if you really want to get into it, if you started living this way when you're 20 and you did it until you were 80, you would spend over a million dollars on non-essential things. Now, I don't know your situation. Maybe some of you are struggling to make ends meet and you're like, hey, like, that's not helpful to me. Well, I don't mean to discourage you. Here's the point. This is meant to help people understand because Jesus said it right here, life is not measured about what we get. Life is not measured about what we own. Life is not measured by our clothes or our house or our car or our education. It's not measured by any of the things that we can get on our own. And then Jesus keeps going and he tells this story. And I love this, check this out. He says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. So what does that mean? There's some assumptions that I think we bring into this. Here are the assumptions that we bring, that he's a good farmer. If he has a fertile farm that produced fine crops, we believe that he's a good farmer. And he's rich, Jesus tells us. He's a rich dude. And we believe, okay, well, if he's rich, that means that God is allowing him to be rich. Like he's blessed him, he's given him what he wants. And I think Jesus knew that we would have assumed that. So he's rich, he has a fertile farm, he produced fine crops, he needed more. So check this out, this is 17. He said to himself, the farmer said to himself, what should I do? I don't have any room for all my crops. Then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. Now, we wanna pause there because he's doing exactly what we should do, right? Right? He's anticipating future consumption. He's planning. He's budgeting. He's thinking about what's coming next. He's making decisions based on what he has and what he thinks he's going to have. He's forecasting. He's doing all these things. He's planning on what to buy and what to spend. And this is verse 19. This is what he says. And this is his purpose. And I'll sit back and say to myself, "Hey my friend, hey self, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry." And this is the dream. This is what many of our lives kind of pursue. But we talked about how greed is sneaky, right? Here's why I think greed is sneaky. At face value, when I read it for the first time and the second time and even the third time, I thought, you know what? This bothers me because he seems to be doing the wise thing. He seems to be responding in the right way. He's investing his wealth. He's talking about the future. He's attempting to cash in when the market is right. Is there anything wrong with that? No, but that's the dream, right? Pay off the mortgage early. Finally get the car or get the house or get the pool or get the toy or get the trip or get the barn. Retire early. Save so you can grow the business. Give to other people, whatever it is. Like we have these things that we wanna do in our lives and we think that God has given certain things to us to provide for those things. But greed is sneaky. Check out the greed. We're going to go back through what he said. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have any room for all my crops. Then he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Is God in that equation at all? Is anybody else in that equation at all? He's not paying attention to the people who work the farm. He's not paying attention to the way that God provides for him. He's not doing any of that. He's saying, me, 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 me. He's singing the opera. Me, 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 me. Sneaky greed. What do you think the farmer's answer was to the question that we've been thinking about? Why did God give the farmer what he entrusted to the farmer? Well, I think the farmer's answer is because I deserve it, because I've earned it. This is why I didn't want to talk about this today, because you know what that is? That's arrogance, it's pride, it's greed. And ask any farmer, can you just work hard and get perfect product every time? No. They even have insurance for that type of thing. You can't have a fertile farm on hard work alone. What else do you need? Well, you need fertile sore. Where did that come from? You need rain. Where did that come from? You need help. Where did that come from? He completely ignored God's provision. And God is nowhere in the conversation. And greed is sneaky. And then Jesus brings it home, and this is a doozy. This is a lot. This is what he said. And then God said to the farmer, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? And if you're ever wondering where, like Mr. T got it, I pity the fool. It's right here. What's the answer to the question? I think when Jesus is asking this question in this story, there's an actual answer Who will get everything you worked for? in your life, who will get everything you worked for? Maybe a spouse, maybe your kids, maybe who you owe debt to. Here's the answer, somebody else. Somebody else eventually gets what you've worked for. That's the truth that Jesus is saying. And remember, this is all because somebody said, hey, Jesus, show me the money. Talk about inheritance. And this is how Jesus kind of wraps it up. He goes, yes, This is verse 21. Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have what? A rich relationship with God. So circle back. Why has God provided more than you need? Because the answer, no matter what God has provided in your life, is this, to have a rich relationship with God. Why did he provide for this foolish farmer? Well, his hope is that he would have a rich relationship with God. And Jesus did not come to bring property to people. Jesus came to bring people to God. And we get that mixed up. And we're short-sighted and we forget that the things that we work so hard for will fade away. I have everything I need, but I forget why I have it, to have a rich relationship with God. What does that look like? What has God entrusted you? What has he given to you? Just right now, wherever you're at, just close your eyes for a second, just humor me. Think about the things that you have all the time that you've had in your life. time you've had to love, maybe explore, maybe think, maybe learn, the time you've had to grow. Think about the talent that God has given you, you know, the skills that he's given you, the gifts that he's given you, the things you know how to do, your personality, your desire, your passion. He's given that to you. He's entrusted that to you. What about all the treasure or the finance or the other stuff that's been stored up for you your family your house your car your friends your hopes your dreams your finances your bank account all of those things have been given generously to you but we struggle because we think we're owed those things but the reality is God has given us much you can open your eyes. See, God has given us those things not because we deserve it, not because we're consumers, but because we're loved, because God is generous. We can be generous in our lives because God has been generous with us, and that starts with Jesus, that starts with the cross, but there's so many ways that God has entrusted things to you because he is generous. Generous. And he gives us, he entrusts those things so we can have a rich relationship with him. But how do we combat that sneaky greed? How do we respond? Well, check this out. A generous heart casts out a greedy lifestyle. So in the context of being generous, I know sometimes we're like, hey, you don't know my situation, you don't know my finances, you don't know my budget, and you're right, I do think that there are steps that you can take to to deal with some of that. We even have something here called Financial Peace University, which would kind of help you navigate that. But I want to stop right there, because it's not really about how much margin you have in your budget, because generosity is about your heart, not your budget. Generosity is a heart thing. And this is challenging for me, because if we aren't willing to be generous, it impacts our lifestyle if we aren't willing to be generous so much so that it changes the way that we live, then according to Jesus, we're greedy. I'm gonna say it again. If we aren't willing to be so generous it impacts, it changes our lifestyle, the way we live, then according to Jesus, we're greedy. If we consume so much that we have nothing left, we need to pause. If we save so much we have to say no to being generous all the time, we need to pause. And I know that that's strong, I know that that's harsh, I don't, that's one of the reasons I do not wanna talk about it today. And maybe you're starting to get mad at me. And you're like, Adam, you don't know your situation. You don't know what's going on in my life. And you're right, I don't. Maybe you give, maybe you're incredibly generous. But Jesus knows your heart. He knows what's going on. And greed isn't this feeling. It's a refusal to act. We don't feel greedy, we act greedy. And good intentions don't compensate for it. Our hopes don't compensate for it. That's why greed is so sneaky. But giving is a huge part of your spiritual journey. And I believe being generous can help you be and help you feel connected to God and what God is doing in your life and in the lives of those around you. And I know that money and possessions can be a difficult topic to discuss, especially in this context from a guy like me standing on a stage like this. And I know that money is a really important thing in our lives because we interact with it every day and there's nothing magical about it and we all want a little bit more of it. But the reality is finances are a gift from God just like everything else. And we can use it wisely or we can use it foolishly. We can be greedy or we can be generous. So why do you have what God has entrusted to you? How can you be generous? So, yes, we're going to talk about money for just a second, but before we do, I want to be very clear greed is not just a money thing. Actually, it includes a lot of different stuff. It's how you use your time, what you seek out, what you care the most about. If you seek out comfort or security or safety or ease over Jesus, because God entrusts a lot of different things to us, not just finances. So we're going to talk through these four steps that can apply to our finances, but I want to encourage you, hey, if God's prompting you in a different way about your time or about your ability or whatever, about serving in a different way, that's awesome. We're going to allow God to do that today. But believers in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, they didn't have all the organizations, they didn't have all the options that we have. We have a lot of options actually. They gave to their place of worship and they gave for the poor. But I want to be laser clear. We're talking about giving today. I do not care if it is to the rich. It matters way more to me that you are taking your next step in your relationship with God, that you want to be rich in relationship to God. Can the rich be a part of that? Absolutely but it's not about that. It's not about the Ridge, it is about you and your heart and your relationship with God and I believe generosity can be a heartbreaker. We can break this greed heartbreaker. So we're gonna challenge each other, what does it look like for you to take a step in your generosity? We're gonna go through them quick. Number one, give for the first time. Some people are like, never thought of it. And that's fair. That's good. That's why we're here. That's why we're talking today. That's why God has you here today. You can take a step. You can intentionally give. You can say, I'm going to give in some way right, right now or later this week, or I'm going to talk about it, but I'm going I'm to give once. I'm going to do it sacrificially. I think giving for the first time leads directly into the second one, which is give regularly. So you take something and you just put it in your budget. You're like, look, I'm not going to go get the pumpkin spice lattes as much as I did last year. I'm just going to cut it out. I mean, I'm, I'm talking from my heart there. I love them. But you, you find something that you can be sacrificial and intentional with, and you say, I'm going to add it to my budget. I'm gonna give regularly. And look, this isn't like I've got it all figured out, I've paid it all off, I have all this margin, it's just I'm gonna give regularly. Here's the third one. It's continuing to be sacrificial, right? Here's the third one is giving a percentage. And I I don't personally believe that it matters how much we give, like in the dollar and cents way, I think it matters how generous our heart is in the spiritual way. But this can be a challenge to say, okay, 2%, 10%, 15%, whatever God is prompting you to do and say, hey, I'm going to intentionally live sacrificially. It's gonna impact the way that I live. And then here's the fourth one. And I think this one is the one that I get stuck in. My wife, Abby, and I have kind of put percentage and budgets and we've made plans and stuff like that, but it gets above and beyond. And above and beyond is when we go, no, it's not ever done. Generosity is not something we mark off. Generosity is not something that we go, okay, all good. Generosity is being rich in relationship with God and responding to what God has done So maybe you already give a percentage. Maybe God is prompting you to do something in some very specific way. I don't know what it is, but I do believe that this is a never-ending thing, not because there's no hope, but because there's so much hope to go around that we can respond to what God has done in our lives. Now, Becca talked about it early in our service, but there are ways that you can give here to the Ridge. You can Go to theridge.org slash give. You can go to the app. You can go to the drop boxes and all that stuff. But I want to say it again. I'm going to double down on it. It's not about, it's not about the Ridge. Hear me. It's about, it's about our heart. And I think the Ridge can be a part of that. But I think if that's what's holding you back, if that's where you're skeptical, don't worry about that. Because if you want to be rich in relationship with God, generosity is a huge part of it, whether it's the ridge or not. So I encourage you, choose a way, choose a step to be generous and choose one of the four steps that we talked about because a generous heart casts out a greedy lifestyle. And during this series, we've been using these examples in real life, how we could be walking down the street, how we can be living our lives and these opportunities come right up to us. And we have to start to think, and we have to start to take next steps, and we have to go, okay, what is God doing in my life? What opportunity has he given me to break this heartbreak? The situation we find ourselves work out in multiple ways, and I believe this week we are gonna be presented with an opportunity to either walk down the greed path or to walk down the generosity path.